0: Welcome to the MUFG Global Markets Podcast. I'm John Cook, and I'm joined today by George Goncalves, MUFG's head of U.S. Macro Strategy. It's Tuesday, June 6th, 2023. Welcome back to the podcast, George.
1: Great to be back as always.
0: Always good to have you, bud. Uh, so we're kind of waiting on the, we, you know, we were kind of waiting on the resolution of the debt ceiling debacle before having you back on, you know, because it's sort of hard to have, you know, the shelf life on a podcast is only so long. Um, now that that uncertainty is out of the way, what should our warriors, quote unquote, worry about next?
1: You yeah, know, it's 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 good to be back, and and look, I I think you know it's great to see that we've moved beyond what was a uh, you know really a fabricated crisis, but. Uh, at the end of the day, it had to get done, and and it's good to see that there's uh, at least um, a a solution that will get us through the election cycle, and hopefully, in the interim, you know policymakers will also focus on debt sustainability and other issues that you know still have to be dealt with. But at least for now, the the kind of uh, the threat of the, of the default is is obviously gone, and the markets can kind of move on to something else. I mean that that was the big worry that was uh, preoccupying markets and. And really, as I wrote in my last monthly, was a you know really potentially a distraction uh, to what's happening um, in the underlying economy, both in the U.S. and globally. Uh, you know, in the U.S., we still keep getting a mixed picture, and it's really hard to handicap. And I'll come back to in a second what's going on with like the labor market versus other um, sectors of the economy. And then you have uh, what's happening with with Europe, with you know Germany supposedly in a technical recession, and you know every single data point since we've gotten that news has suggested that you know Germany really is uh, decelerating in a pretty big way, which should have implications for the broader eurozone. And then <clears throat> uh, you know China, you know, the reopening, which really never happened or hasn't really. Uh, uh, met the expectations that were earlier in the year, expecting for a really grand, big reopening that would have led to uh, a, a bigger growth impulse for the global economy, helping all boats rise. And we haven't really seen that either. So we kind of have these two big narratives at the start of the year, which was uh, you know, a more robust Europe uh, with without the energy crisis that was many were feared, a better weather in Europe. And uh, yet... Europe still managed to kind of decelerate into this environment. And then you have, uh, you know, China still not firing on all cylinders. And you know, I think the best reflection of that is really uh, captured in the oil price, which also uh, recently uh, was in the news with the uh, with the OPEC uh, uh, you know, suggestion for a cut of further production. I mean, I think, you know, the global economy <laughs> basically is decelerating and the U.S. has been decelerating, too. Uh, but really the last last really thing to kind of uh, prove this has been uh, you know a jobs market that's still on the surface, at least for some numbers, looks healthy. But you know, as you've you and I've discussed many times, yeah, there's cracks forming there as well. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the second half. But the uncertainties that kind of go forward from here, I think go back to some of the early concerns that we had at the you know, in, in the beginning of the year, around, you know, the banks still with, you know, a Fed that potentially might be on hold for um, longer at a higher rate, maybe might still want to raise rates again, we'll see at the upcoming Fed meeting. Uh, but I do think that the, you know, the kind of regional bank spillover into maybe other non-bank entities, things that we've discussed, uh, hard to pinpoint, but that's still out there in the backdrop. And, um, you know, speaking of Europe, Europe also has a bunch of liquidity that might be coming offline. the post-pandemic liquidity that was offered expires in the upcoming month. and that might also have a you know an impact on the European banking system, which up until now hasn't really been in the news. But I think if we were to see some sort of issues around that, would you know Garner more focus from the broader markets and then further afield uh you know at some point this slowdown that we've all been kind of anticipating uh has to come to fruition or not and I think that realization uh will you know will be something that we're going to be you know analyzing over the course of the the summer and into the early fall you know will that eventually result in more corporate profit margin compression we've you know, we've uh, discussed both i think on a podcast but also uh, over the course of the last 6 months this idea of, of a full employment recession which was uh, also mentioned this week uh, in the wall street journal article with with basically the exact same same title that perhaps you know what's odd about this uh, slowdown is the full employment nature of it but then we're hearing about you know productivity not being as high as it used to be, so there's all these uh, again cross currents. Some cracks forming in the labor market that eventually, you know, corporate profits either take a hit because they're going to keep, you know, uh, um, their labor force large, or eventually they're going to have to start laying off people, right? So, I think that you know those are still medium-term risks to kind of focus on, but I think the big one in the in the in the short run is going to be liquidity draining, both again from what I just mentioned from the ECB side. And also what's happening now, you know, post debt ceiling with that resolution, there's going to be a a ton of of Treasury T-bill issuance and potentially changes to the the way the Treasury funds itself. And that money is going to have to come from somewhere. And that liquidity draining will happen over the course of the summer as well. And so all these things take time to kind of get to a point where we actually see the impact, but it's still going to happen. And, And that's what I'm really focused on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you mentioned, a ton of cross currents, um, you know, said it another way, a lot of mixed signals kind of feels to me like that's sort of what you get at economic, you know, turning points. Um, But I am, you know, as you know, personally, I'm sympathetic to that sort of job full recession you know, uh, idea. So, um, you know, I, the only thing that 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 is uh, is predictable is is unpredictability. So, it certainly will be an interesting next couple of months. But you you've been focused on that liquidity story for a long time, and I really agree with you. That has the potential to be a big deal. And I would argue, unlike other themes uh, in that are you know sort of common in markets, sort of difficult to preposition or discount ahead of time. You know, kind of hard to uh, you know handicap or forecast what happens. You know, what the effect of that is on you know rates, asset classes, and other asset classes. When the treasury drains all that liquidity, which also means it floods the market with high yielding HQ HQLA, um, that could really crowd out other asset classes. So, how are you thinking about it?
1: Yeah, no, it's a very complicated um, problem to break down. Although you know, simple at the at the very high level, um, you know, the the U.S. Uh, by trying to stay under the debt ceiling had to uh you know issue less securities and a lot of that reduction in issuance was in the you know short term bill sector as you know, as those bonds matured faster um and you know as of, and then they also tapped into a lot of other programs to uh have cash to get get through this resolution now they're going to have to go replenish a lot of these uh, intra federal accounts like pensions and things like that and they're also going to have to raise up cash to have on 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 availability in what is known as the Treasury's general account, which sits on the Fed's balance sheet, and and that uh, is, is as a liability, and that competes with uh, from a you know just from a balance sheet perspective with reserves in the system, as well as a new program which has been with us for a number of years now, but relatively new in the grand scheme of things, the reverse repo program, which is largely offered to money market funds as an alternative to where to you know, place their cash. A lot of the cash that's been sloshing around in the system uh, now offering a higher yield, no less, have made their way to the Fed's balance sheet. And so if you kind of think about those three big moving pieces, uh, and as we kind of say and, and mentioned in a piece that we've uh, published and posted on our macro strategy uh, marketing website, uh, you know, it's all about following the cash and, and which now pays a decent rate. And will that you know, lead to some crowding out of other investments? I think it will. But if we were to kind of take a step uh, through, like just um, think through how this will work, the Treasury is going to have to issue a lot of uh, new securities and raise cash. And that cash will then get, uh, in theory, deposited or warehoused on the Fed's balance sheet as a liability in the Treasury's general account, like a checking account, uh, in which kind of are like the Treasury's versions of their own reserves. And uh, to fund that, either uh, money will have to be sourced either from the money market funds themselves, which could decide to change their allocation to the RRP or not. Uh, and so they could either just reduce their balances at the Fed from the RRP and then take some of that, those proceeds and then go and physically buy T-bills at a QSIP level. And or the reserves that are in the banking system, private sector or the banks themselves can decide to buy the T-bills and that will then shift reserves out and into the, the Treasury's account. Nonetheless, we don't know how it's gonna all shape out, but historically there's been kind of a bias that many times when we have these debt ceiling impasses and then there's a resolution, almost like the majority of, of, the, of the underwriting of these bills actually comes from the private sector more so and, and from private investors instead of actually the money funds themselves. But, we, but we've never had a money fund concentration this large of over 2 trillion sitting at the Fed. So, I mean, people have been handicapping it. It's going to be 30, 40% might come from the RRP. We just don't know. Uh, I mean, ideally, I think they would like to see 100% come from the RRP, but that's probably not going to happen. Uh, So, you know, it's really a, a case where we have to monitor how these bills are going to be underwritten. Where is that source of cash coming from? And then that will drain liquidity either from inert money, like the RRP, which is just sitting there. Or it'll come from the banking system where the money is much more fungible, which could be used for other investments, for, for other consumption, whatever. And we've you know modeled and, and shown charts in our uh, in our uh, you know, recent uh, reports as well as uh, historically how the reserve balances has a decent kind of correlation with things like the S and P 500 or crypto assets, and it's a kind of high-powered money if it, it makes its way through the system it has an impact on valuations. And so if there's going to be less liquidity because it's moving towards the T-bill market, in theory, that should you know, have a leave a footprint on these asset classes, especially risk assets. So this is, you know again, pretty complicated. I just went through a few minutes explaining it. Uh, and there's a lot, a lot to it more than that. But at a very high level, you know, it's going it to come down to where do they source the cash to underwrite all these bills. And the mix from the reserves versus RRP will play a crucial role in that. And then it will potentially have an impact of shifting, uh, you know, capital away from the capital markets and risk taking and more towards treasuries, which could lead to crowding out, which historically, you know, we've never seen T-bills this high. And if, and if the numbers that people are projecting of close to a trillion dollars has to be issued over the course of the summer, that's a, a pretty hefty uh, number to underwrite in a short time period and could lead to less liquidity for other asset classes.
0: Yeah. Compelling argument. And, and, you know, this, this, you know, financial markets, plumbing stuff, like really when you go through it, it's not that complicated, but the totality of it's really complicated, you know, subtle, but important point, you know, if, if the, if the, if that money comes from the reverse repo facility, not much of effect but if it comes from in the banking system, you know, could be, could be significant. So thanks for, thanks for clarifying that for us. um So let, let's move on here. So, uh you know, as, as, you know, you and I have discussed on the desk, you know, this week's pretty light on data. Um, overall markets feel like a bit, you know, in a holding pattern ahead of some key events, uh, most specifically CPI next Tuesday and the FOMC next Wednesday. You know, the market's pricing in a small chance that the Fed hikes, um, but um but more likely that they hike in July. Um, what are your core views as we head into these events, particularly the Fed next week?
1: Yeah, no, so I think that this is a good week to reassess views. We've had a a pretty big move uh in a lot of different asset classes more so outside of rates but even rates have had a decent backup um and the question i get, i guess you know taking it from the top these are all short-term views i think it's it's good that we're you know focusing on the micro tactical trades or ideas into next week because a lot can change with cpi and the fed and we'll cover that when, when we when we get there but between now and then i think it's really a good time to think about you know, which assets have performed versus what hasn't performed, uh, looking at, you know, like IG versus mortgages, you know, is there something there to be done? Uh, I mean, we've had a, a decent amount of of spread compression in credit products. And, you know, based on my macro outlook for the, the second half, I mean it probably does, um, you know, behoove those that are with credit long risk to lighten up on risk, because I, I think the credit is going to widen once again, as we kind of face this it kind of uh you know macro day of reckoning of uh eventually the jobs market will relent and we'll see a proper recession unfold uh and, and delinquencies and defaults will pick up even further so i think you know credit probably has run a lot uh ahead of itself here um and so you know maybe taking a chance to kind of figure out you know where to be defensive there uh similar similar story with risk assets especially the stock market which has become very concentrated in you know in, in the, really the tech sector to be honest um and, and if we don't see a broadening out of, 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 of equity risk into other industries, then that too seems to be, uh, have gone, you know, as far as it can really go. Uh, and then if we talk about rates, um, you know, we, we just you know, had last night the RBA surprise, you know, there was only 10 out of 30 economists that were expecting a, a hike. And so there is still this uncertainty out there, and which is why it's keeping rate ball a little bit higher than it should be, because, if we're getting close to the end of a hiking cycle or already have seen the end of the hiking cycle, you know, vols should be coming off more than they have. I think it's just kind of that lingering fear that we just don't know if they're going to do this start, stop or skip hikes, pause. And, and so the markets are still nervous around rate um, expectations. But for the June meeting, you know, look, it, it's going to come down to the dots and I'm sure we'll have a, a, another podcast before then and we can go more into the Fed preview. But I think uh, you know this is a, t- a time to reassess. You know, can central banks continue to push forward if we are starting to see some of the you know the cracks form in what is really the last uh, good area of the economy, which is the labor market? Uh, and then you know, it, will we have these uh, episodes of just sometimes surprises out of nowhere where you get uh, rate hikes, which would be you know hard to to to, to discount uh, in in the in the marketplace? This kind of stop-go. Uh, is very different, with, which from what markets are accustomed to, like a very linear process of rate hikes, and then they stop, and then we just kind of see if we can handle these higher rates. If it's a going to be an evolution still, uh, and they hike again in July, it means that rates markets will be on edge until we cross the July meeting. And if they don't hike then, then chances are they're probably done for the cycle, right? So I think that's I think um, you know rates having stayed under fed funds all throughout this period since really. October, uh, you know, yeah, fourth quarter of last year, You know, the 10-year and the 30-year have been basically under Fed funds all throughout and being very uh, skeptical of the Fed's intentions of keeping rates higher. It's only the two-year that tried to make a run in early March, and even then now two still trade under Fed funds. You know, to get a full normalization of Fed funds, I mean, that's, I guess that's the risk out there, but I think um, you know, still take the view that uh, we're closer to the end, if not the end of the cycle. And the next thing that's going to happen is the re-steepening of the curve, which should argue for you know, twos to have some um some support, but they're starting from such an under, under the Fed funds level kind of uh, perspective, which makes it tricky. So I f- I feel like basically we're you know, this this holding pattern uh, persists until we get you know clarity from CPI and the Fed. Uh, but it, it could come at the you know at expense where risk assets, if they don't get What they were hoping for which is more accommodated fed and if rates were to kind of grind a little bit higher into the middle of the summer then it's probably risk off everywhere
0: yeah i mean i i think you know both of us have sort of been surprised at how how well risk is held in whether you're looking at you know ig spreads you know kind of near near cycle tights you know despite you know what looks to be a looming recession um you know, uh stock market, as you mentioned, the rally's been pretty narrow. Um, you know, we saw, you know, and, and I totally agree we're in this seem to be in this holding pattern, but stuff actually, you know, stuff has happened in that holding pattern. We saw mortgages rip, you know, last week in tighter for some some pretty wide levels. Um, so so many things to uh so many things to watch for as we sort of wait for these key events to unfold. Uh really appreciate you taking us through that. Um, I would, you know, you mentioned earlier your um your latest macro musings blog. I just want to highlight this for a listeners um this is something that george puts out periodically you'll get it via your sales your sales people you get it um via the macro the u.s macro strategy website as well as in linkedin or twitter um and if you are not receiving george's strategy reports or other information directly please do feel free to get in touch with them great stuff as always thanks again george thank you john And thank you for listening to the MUFG Global Markets podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And reach out to your MUFG sales rep for any further information. Check back soon for more insights from the Global Markets research team.